Alaska. It is the fourth Sunday in Lent, and our first reading comes to us from 1 Samuel chapter 16, verses 1 to 13. Our psalm is Psalm 23. The second reading, Ephesians chapter 5, verses 8 to 14. And our gospel reading comes to us today from the Gospel of John, chapter 9, verses 1 to 41. Well, peace be with you. Friends, it is the fourth Sunday in Lent, and once again, what a treasure trove of scriptural texts we have for us today. First, we read of Samuel's anointing David to be king, followed by David's Psalm 23. And then we read from Ephesians 5, Once you were darkness, but now in the Lord you are light. Live as children of light. What a great springboard for us then as we explore not only the theological mastery, but literary mastery of John's gospel and the story of the man born blind. The first thing for us to see here is this, that even though each of these texts has a different human author, how they wonderfully weave together through the authorship of a single author, and that author is God himself, who writes to us from behind the veil, as it were. I state the obvious here when I say God sees more than we could ever see and God knows more than we could ever know. So God, weaving together the line of the kingdom of David with the line of Jesus so that Jesus then sees what the Pharisees and scribes do not and cannot see, it brings about then a righteous act to a blind man for the glory of God. And how often in our own lives, as well as in the lives of our loved ones around us, God is able to see things that we cannot or refuse to see, and God knows things that we cannot or refuse to acknowledge. And yet even through Even though in our stubborn and stiff-necked ways, God still brings about a righteous act for the glory of God. Perhaps this thought will become clearer as we delve into the story of the man born blind from John chapter 9. John tells us that as Jesus walked along, he saw a man blind from birth. Now, I have no doubt that this story actually happened in real time, in real life, and that somewhere, perhaps in the city of Jerusalem itself, between two major Jewish festivals, one depicted in John chapter 8, the other depicted in John 10, that Jesus indeed spit on the ground, made a mud paste of some kind, wiped that mud paste on the eyes of the man born blind and told him to go and wash in the pool of Siloam, from which he then received his sight. Now, this is the unnamed man's story, no doubt. But it is our story as well. For are we not all born blind? Spiritually blind, that is. And I've said it before in even more drastic terms. Not only are we born spiritually blind, we are all born spiritually dead. 
And so as we look at this story, each of us should be able to see ourselves in this story. Sin distorts sight. Sin distorts our sight. Oh, yes, in business or sports or banking or popularity or whatever the world offers us, we may personally do well and very well. We may look great on the outside, but we find ourselves lost in turmoil on the inside. And when, when we live our lives without the light of Christ, and we figure out that we're spiritually blind, we're sunk in sin and cannot find the right path for our feet to walk on, and then worse yet, almost all of the entire world around us is in similar circumstances. Living in blindness, then, we coat ourselves in selfish and self-serving desires, causing much havoc to ourselves, to our loved ones, and even to the world we live in. Here's the good news, however. Jesus came into the world to defeat darkness, to defeat this spiritual blindness, to defeat death and sin, so that you and I may indeed receive our spiritual sight and get our feet onto the right path. And so the man born blind is you and is me, as well as a real figure in space and time. Jesus, seeing this man born blind, stops. Jesus then spits on the ground, makes a mud paste with the spittle, and then proceeds to rub the mud on the eyes of the blind man. Augustine points out in his commentary how in this mixing of spittle and earth, divinity intersects with humanity. Heaven intersects with earth. God made flesh in Jesus, uses earth, creation, to make a salve, a balm for healing. Think also of the other earthly bits of creation Jesus uses to express how heaven and earth come together. Wheat for bread, grapes for wine, olives for oil, water for baptism. Do you see? Then John tells us that Jesus commands the man to go wash yourself in the pool of Siloam. And then John adds a small detail about Siloam, which means scent. I mentioned before that John uses a very limited dictionary to write his gospel. In fact, John uses only 1,500 words to tell us his version of the good news. Scent is one of the words John uses several times in his gospel, 54 times to be exact. In using the word scent, John writes that some people are sent from the Pharisees to interview John the Baptist about his ministry. John also tells us that the Baptist has been sent ahead of the one to come. Others are sent from the scribes to interview Jesus about his ministry. And then John tells us that God sent his only son to save the world, John 3.16. Jesus tells us he has been sent by his father. Jesus then says to his disciples that as I was sent into the world by my Father, Jesus then sent his disciples into the world. Now today, Jesus sends us into the world 
as well. Thus the man born blind is sent to wash in the pool of Siloam. Again from Augustine's commentary, Augustine says the man is sent to immerse himself in the pool of baptism, washing away the old, allowing the new to come. Immersing himself in Jesus, the one who was sent, so that Jesus may now immerse himself into the blind man, soon to receive his sight. Soon the man will be sent to begin his spiritual journey from darkness into, into the light, from death into life. And the journey begins through the waters of baptism. So earth, spittle, and mud to water in a pool to wash in to receive sight. And with this healing, you would believe that all rejoiced and gave thanks to God, yet not so fast. The response is mixed, is it not? The man returns to his neighbors and to his spot where he had been, be had been a beggar. None of the neighbors knows really what to think. Is that the little boy born blind? Is that the beggar? They ask. No, couldn't be, could it? No, it's just somebody who looks like him, some say. Others were saying, it's got to be him. What happened? Why isn't the man recognized? Well, can you imagine not only were his eyes open, but his countenance, how it must have changed. The man's entire outlook on life was now different, alive even. Maybe you even had a similar experience when you changed, when, when you became one of Jesus' followers, when you changed your entire outlook on life. I know when I came home from summer camp in 1976, after I decided to follow Jesus, that my old friends no longer recognized me. They didn't really know what to do with me. I had changed, and in my eyes, for the better. In their eyes, not so much. They wanted the old gym. I wanted the new gym. They wanted someone like them. I wanted to be, I needed to be someone new, and I chose a new path to walk on. Now the man kept saying to the neighbors and the old friends, I am the man. And now in our English Bibles, it's a rather plain admonition, kind of like, hey, it's me, I'm the guy. However, after looking at the Greek text, I saw something rather striking. The expression in the Greek is, echo a me. Or in other words, the man simply said, I am. To some of you, when you hear the words, echo a me, the hair may stand up on the back of your neck. To others, not so much. Here's what makes this so striking. Remember in the Old Testament when Moses was near the bush that was on fire, yet the bush didn't burn up? And in that story, God was sending, there's that word again, God was sending Moses back to Egypt with a mission. Moses wanted to know what name to give to the Egyptians when they asked, Who is this God of yours? The answer, tell the Egyptians, I am. That's it. No need to say any more, simply, I am. In the New Testament, echo a me, or I am, is used several times by none other than Jesus. Jesus says, echo a me, I am the bread of life. Echo a me, the good shepherd. Echo a me, the gate. 
Echo of me the way, the truth, and the life. Echo of me the true vine. Echo of me the light of the world. Echo of me resurrection and the life. To the woman at the well, Jesus says, Echo of me. In the Garden of Gethsemane, to the soldiers who came to arrest him, Jesus said, Echo of me. And when he said, Echo of me, they all fell down. And from the cross, Jesus said, Echo of me, thirsty. Now, for the man who was born blind, but now at sight, John tells us when asked, Are you the blind man? The man says, Echo of me. Not that John was saying the man was now God, but that Jesus was now living within him. Since being immersed at the pool, the man was now immersed in Jesus. It is the Apostle Paul who wrote, It's no longer I who live, but Christ who lives within me. The same is true for you and me as well. We who are born blind, we who are washed in the pool, washed in Christ, washed in baptism, we receive our spiritual eyes and now we see. We're different. We're new. We're born again. And if I dare say, we are echo of me. We become Jesus to the world around us. Thus, let us rejoice and be glad. But not everyone was rejoicing. Why? Because the day Jesus healed this man born blind was the Sabbath. Is Jesus a rule breaker, some may ask? At first glance, it appears that maybe so. But on a second look, and we don't have time to pull all this out this morning, but it isn't so much that Jesus is a rule breaker, but that Jesus is fulfilling the true meaning of the Sabbath. However, not in the eyes of the Pharisees. They were the rule keepers, and they had begun keeping their human sight on Jesus. In doing so, they begin to harass the man born blind, who now has sight. My friends, when you come to Jesus, when you have received spiritual sight, expect to be harassed. Expect those who can't see spiritually to fling mud on you, and tell you you're really not all that clean. And the further you go along in your walk with Jesus, and the better your spiritual sight becomes, more mud will come your way. The truth is, the world is invested in blindness, and that blindness comes in lots of different forms. To name a few, alcohol, marijuana, gambling, pornography, sexual perversions, power, fame, fortune, Dare I say, shopping. Don't be naive. The world desires you to be blind, not for your sake, but for theirs. And they drove the man out, meaning in modern-day vernacular, they kicked him out of the church. Jesus, in his compassion and love for the man, seeks him out. God, our God, seeks us out, does he not? No matter where we are. Jesus and the man have a conversation, and after realizing that this was indeed Jesus, the man who healed him, the man born blind, having now received his sight, gives the rest of his being to Jesus and falls down and worships him. In worshiping Jesus, the man acknowledged Jesus' divinity. 
So, to you who have commenced your walk with Christ, you've washed in the pool. Your eyes are now open. You've found vision and life in Jesus. You can say, echo of me. And with the Apostle Paul can say, it is no longer I who live, but Christ who lives within me. I beg you, stay awake. Our enemy prowls around like a roaring lion waiting to devour, devour us. You'll be opposed. Count on it. All those invested in blindness don't want you to be invested in the light. Be as innocent as a dove and as clever as a serpent. And then fall before Jesus, fall down, and worship Him. Amen. Amen.